Hello and welcome to the EdSearch Podcast, a weekly look at how education is changing. I'm Tony Wan, Managing Editor at EdSearch. That's Victor's Tango, performed by students at Mayalin Elementary, an arts-integrated public school in Alameda, California. These students are part of the Bay Area Music Project, a nonprofit that provides music education to children in communities that lack these opportunities. That performance happened at our EdSearch Fusion Conference this fall. And what I love about this song is that every time one of the teaching artists say, are we ready to um, take out your music for Victor's Tango, everybody goes, yes! That's Lori Murray. She's the executive director and founder of the Bay Area Music Project. For her, music education is so much more than just learning how to play music. It's an experience that gets at many other facets of life and lifelong learning. On today's episode, we explore this idea that arts education is not even really about the arts. Well, there is beautiful music along the way, yes. But the goals of the educators doing this work are much bigger. And stay tuned all the way through, because in the second half of the episode, I happen to meet up with a rock legend who also runs a music education program. I'll admit, the whole idea of exploring this topic started with these kids at our annual Fusion event. I sat down with Murray at the conference to learn more about her program and what she does. And I was surprised to learn that she's not a musician herself, even though she's certainly got the style and swagger of one. But she knows the music industry well, starting her career, oddly enough, as a bouncer in a dive bar. From there, she moved her way up as a booking agent for shows, and later managed tours for avant-garde rock bands. And throughout that journey, she saw the transformative power of music. I basically have held every job in the music industry apart from being a musician. And no matter where I was, and everyone that I've ever met, whether it was on tour or bands coming in to play, play and perform, the energy and the music and the connections that it made with people. And everyone I ever spoke to, um, as far as like being, in a, being a musician in the band, said music changed their lives. So there was this just commonality, right? This, this thing that bonded us all was a love of music and the connections to it and how it all made us feel in the moment and the shared experience. And when my kids were getting school age and, and going to public school, that just, that same kind of momentum, energy, passion, love, just, it just wasn't there in the schools. Part of the reason was that there was little support at the time for a music program at the school. In fact, there was talk of shutting the school down for poor overall performance. But after it transformed into an arts maggot school, music was among the first programs that Murray wanted to bring. My kids are very fortunate that their dad is a musician and can teach them things about music. I cannot. But we started to think, like, how many other families would love to have their child play violin or the flute or even, you know, in a percussion and... Um, and but just don't have the extra means to do that. And typically a school day music program is more of a music theory and overall, you know, they touch points of, of um, music appreciation. But I don't know any that too many places in the country that really start offering instrumental music and in elementary school anymore. So back in 2014, 
Murray launched the Bay Area Music Project as a pilot of her kids' school, Maya Lin. The after-school program didn't have much funding at the time, so it began as a choir, with 40 students learning how to use a free instrument, their voice. The second year, they launched a violin program with violins that were rescued from a dumpster at a nearby middle school. Throughout those trying years, Murray looked for support from local community partners, including the local Rotary Club and the Firefighters Association. And they eventually came through. Today, the program has the instruments to stock a full orchestra, with strings, winds, brass, and percussion sections. Today, the after-school program is in two school sites, serving about 160 children. Some of them have performed with professionals, from the nearby UC Berkeley Symphony Orchestra to members from the Simon Bolivar Symphony Orchestra from Venezuela, and perhaps one of the most famous cellists of our time. Somebody was specifically from Salesforce was specifically looking for a group of students from a music program that could possibly meet Yo-Yo Ma after he did his keynote.、Um, For a, an executive luncheon at Dreamforce, so he somebody reached out in June, probably of 2018, and said, "We're we're thinking about doing this. He's coming to do a keynote. Do you have students that might like to meet him?" And like, do I? And and then、um, it went from just meeting him to perhaps maybe、um, playing with him backstage at a, when he does his meet and greet. And then it, he came and met them all, and he. Uh, got to know them, and they did some rehearsals. And he said, "Would you like to join me on stage for this luncheon?" And so, it was、uh, it was a pretty unbelievable、um, opportunity, and one certainly that the kids and I will never forget. But just as the purpose of music education isn't just about learning how to play music, the goal of the Bay Area Music Project isn't to turn kids into professional performers. As much as we we love to be known as a music program, we're a social development program. We are raising, you know, our future leaders and kids that are confident in themselves and understand that there is a world beyond them. The Bay Area Music Project is inspired by a unique philosophy of music education. It's called El Sistema, which traces its roots to the 1970s in Venezuela. The idea is that music education is more than just music itself. It's a means of uplifting and unifying underserved communities. It's the idea that learning how to play music together can be a powerful force for bringing together children across different backgrounds. There's no other place, you know. You can certainly sports comes close, but I think as、uh, an El Sistema philosophy independent, there's no other place like an orchestra where people from varying backgrounds and coming from different ideas have to come in and be one together. Right? We have a piece of music that we need to all perform. Percussion has their parts. Winds have their parts. Strings, so they all have to be in agreement, and that is the bigger issue in life, right? We are not always going to have the same background or viewpoint or come at it with the same idea. But at the end of the day, what do we want most, right? Is to resolve conflict and to be in agreement, in in with respect to one another. So the orchestra is that vehicle that kids have to learn to listen. Not it's not just about what they're playing, but what is What is my neighbor in in my section? How are they playing? And and are we together in that? And then what is the person behind me? And then so it's just kind of prepares them for that bigger stage, right? That connection between learning music and learning how to be human isn't always obvious, Murray says. 
Besides, those chances can be rare, unfortunately. Music and arts programs in general are often the first on the chopping block whenever schools or districts need to cut their budgets. And when that happens, students lose more than just a music program. I think we're missing an opportunity to teach the whole child. I think we're really losing out on um, a deeper connection, uh, certainly for themselves to know what they're capable of. Yes, a child can be a great, you know, and get a goal and playing soccer and, and they feel fantastic. And that moment is somewhat fleeting, right? And I really truly believe that when a child masters something musically, that in them gives them that, that next level of confidence that, that, that carries back into their school day. And now I can present in front of my class. I've had more kids who are incredibly shy and their teaching, teachers have come up and said, they just came up and stood in front of the class and played the song that they're learning on the violin. There is a pride that carries. I think it just has a longer shelf life in a lot of ways. On the other side of the world, I met someone else who's taking a different approach to using music as a way to help students in the classroom. You may have heard of him or heard him. He plays for the boss, Bruce Springsteen, as a member of the E Street Band. Or perhaps you've seen him on The Sopranos as the mobster Silvio Dante. Or... Um, I got lots of aliases, but uh, Stevie is fine. I, uh, I have a foundation that's um, uh, called Rock and Roll Forever Foundation, and then the main project is teachrock.org, and... Um, that's why we're here. That's Steven Manzant, or Little Steven, as he's most commonly known. I met up with him at the WISE Summit, an international education conference in Doha, Qatar, just last month, where I moderated a panel. And while more than a few people were disappointed he didn't perform any music, he was there to spread the word about his foundation. And contrary to what the name might suggest, it's not about learning how to rock or play music in general. We um, have created a music history curriculum that has basically three goals, which is to keep the arts in the DNA of the education system, the public education system, uh, to create a new methodology for teaching this generation of kids, which is a radical difference from previous generations of kids. And the third goal is to try and affect the dropout rate eventually which is epidemic, and uh, nobody really talks about it, but it's quite, quite, uh, quite bad. So we want to improve the graduation rate of high school, and we think, and we, we think we found a way to do it. So The curriculum is called Teach Rock, and today it offers lesson plans on music history. There are lessons that cover the blues, soul, gospel, and other styles that influenced rock. There's the British Invasion, of course, with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and there are lessons on contemporary artists like Ariana Grande and Beyonce, looking back at the artists who influenced them. And we trace them back. We say, okay, where does that artist come from? Um, so Beyonce uh, maybe comes from this one and that one and Aretha Franklin. And then we say, you know, Aretha Franklin comes from Detroit. And we talk about Detroit. And she comes from the gospel church. We talk about the gospel church. And she was involved in the civil rights uh, movement. We talk about civil rights. And the kids remain completely engaged. Why? Because it's a subject they understand and they're interested in and they're already comfortable with. 
and that's the key to teaching is get the kids interested enough to pay attention and stay engaged and then let the teacher do their thing so we designed this almost more for teachers than the students in a way we think if we can get the teachers excited they'll get they'll take care of the kids you know in other words it's not just a music history curriculum the idea is to use music as a hook to exploring all kinds of subjects from english to science and social studies and what happens is the more they're engaged in the arts, the more integrated the arts are into an education program, the better those kids are at the other disciplines, you know? So, so you know, at this point, the arts uh, stimulate the learning ability of the other disciplines, and that's helpful all across the board. Van Zant says the idea for his music education project has been in the works for more than a decade now. The Rock and Roll Forever Foundation was set up in 2007, but it wasn't until 2018 that Teach Rock, the music history online curriculum, was launched. He said he didn't want to go live until the website had at least 100 lessons online. Today, there are about 170 lessons. And as for where the idea for this came from? You know, it really wasn't my idea so much as um, like 15 years ago now. Um, the Music Teachers of America came to me and said the No Child Left Behind legislation had devastated all the arts classes in the public education sector. So, you know, could I find out about it and try and do something about it? And uh, I talked to Teddy Kennedy and I talked to Mitch McConnell and uh, said this is a problem. And they said, yeah, unintended consequence of the legislation. Uh, I said, well, whatever. Why don't you fix it? And they're like, ain't going to get fixed. So I thought about it, and I came back to the teachers. I said, you know, I got bad news as far as we're not going to put instruments in kids' hands for a while. Maybe never again. Uh, so we'll have to find other ways to do that. And we have. But I said, I had an idea. I said, you know, why don't we do a, hist a music history curriculum which in some ways is better because it affects all the kids rather than just musicians. Van Zant believes there is a lot to lose when arts and music programs get cut. We lose the ability uh, of the arts to stimulate creativity, which uh, that creativity, again, uh, will be carried into the sciences and technology, you know, from the arts. The arts tend to connect the dots, right? It connects the dots from our senses to our imagination to our craft, right? And that, in a very natural way, will drift right into the sciences and technology. And it's not just creativity that's lost. There's also something very pragmatic. The arts is a big business, and one could argue that America's biggest export is entertainment, pop culture, and music. Uh, there's a practical usefulness for art in the business world as well, you know? That's quite practical, in fact. And, uh, and by the way, uh, you don't have to be an artist to make a living in the arts. I mean, um, just in rock and roll alone, uh, we have hundreds of people employed. Uh, 
from computer programmers to lighting people, to sound people, recording people, uh, carpenters, uh, you know, metal workers, electricians, uh, you know, bus drivers, truck drivers, you know. Um, so, you know, and films are, are you, you, you see the credits at the end of films, you know. Uh, graphic artists and, and, and stuntmen and everything else. So there's uh, hundreds and thousands of jobs per project involved in the arts. Whether you're the artist or not is, is, is irrelevant. As both Murray and Van Zant stressed, music education is so much more than just playing an instrument or learning about your favorite artists. It's a window into other disciplines and life skills, and it teaches you how to learn and get along. And for some, it's a lifestyle and a livelihood. I used to play the drums in bands throughout high school and college. Sadly, it's not a habit I've kept up. But as the manager of our editorial team here at Ed Surge, I sometimes find that my job isn't so much unlike drumming, keeping the beat and rhythm going to support my teammates as they compose new melodies, switch tempos, play solos, and do everything else that make our band special. My name is Tony Wan, and this has been the Ed Search Podcast. Each week, we feature real conversations like this one. So please subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was edited and produced by my colleague, Jeff Young. We'll be back next week with more on the future of education. Till then. <laughs>